So John 1, uh, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives witness or gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born of God, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. Thank you, Christina. Yeah, Lord, we do. We're grateful to be able to come together as a, as a community of, of believers to study your word together, to see one another, to talk, to pray, to encourage. We do ask, Lord God, that you would be honored in our time together. Uh, we do pray for everyone in this room and everyone who's watching for encouragement and blessing and joy in you, God. We continue to pray for those who are struggling, feeling isolated, feeling alone. That, Lord, you would provide them much comfort and much encouragement and much hope. We think of those who are feeling encouraged that this pandemic has proved to be a time of rich growth and blessing. We thank you for that and pray that you would continue to bless them and encourage them and keep them, Lord. We do thank you, O oh God, for this good news of a vaccine and the potential that this pandemic is, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And we do ask, Lord God, for an end to the pandemic, Lord. We pray for our governments. We pray for those in health care that you would give them wisdom how to do this. And Lord, you would bring about deliverance for us. We pray that you would sustain the global economy, Lord. We think particularly of the poor, those with no safety net. Lord, we just ask that you would provide and keep and protect, Lord. We pray for those in our own congregation, again, who are feeling it so profoundly. Help them. We thank you for Tracy, our dear sister, serving for so many years in different places. A number of years now in, in North Africa, we ask that this time home would be refreshing and encouraging and that you would give her clarity about what the road ahead is, where you want her to go, what you want her to do, Lord. As there's a, she and, and her organization discern what is it going to look like, we pray, Lord, for clarity for her. We thank you for Kayla. Bless her as she transitions back to the Northwest. We pray, Lord, you'd provide all that's needed for her, that you'd encourage her, that you'd bless her, that you'd keep her. Thank you for this uh, relationship that uh, pray you'd give both uh, Kayla and Steve wisdom as they grow together in you. And we pray for the team in India, Lord, just obviously feeling the loss of Kayla and pray that you give them comfort, you give them grace, uh, and that you would raise up more people, Lord, to go and to serve with our team. I uh, pray you'd bless them and keep them and encourage them, Lord. And Lord, we're thankful for this text, for your very words recorded for us in Scripture we pray you'd give us wisdom to understand it correctly. We pray, Lord, that 
all that you want us to know about yourself and your kingdom and your ways, you would show us through your written word. I pray, O oh God, in my weakness that you'd help me to explain this accurately. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to frame this up um, with a question. Whose are you? Where are you from? Who are your people? What tribe are you with? Uh, who's your daddy? Someone might say. Currently, and this is no secret, tribalism and identification with certain groups over and above other groups feel stronger in America than perhaps it's ever been, at least in my lifetime, 45 years old. People are grouping themselves by different identity points. And that is becoming their family, their people, their identity. I'm conservative. I'm liberal. I'm black. I'm white. I'm Latino or Latina. I'm Asian. I'm Native American. I'm mixed or biracial. I'm for Black Lives Matter. I'm for All Lives Matter. I'm for police reform. I'm for police. I'm white collar. I'm blue collar. I'm college educated. I am not college educated. I am from the West Coast. I'm from the South. I'm from the East Coast. I'm from the Midwest. I'm not from America, but another country and culture. I'm from the Smith family or the Johnson family or the Charles family or the Coffee family. Each of these many identities and clubs that we develop meaning and identification with. And not to say those are bad. Please don't misunderstand me. But for those of us who belong to Jesus, is there not something better? Who are we from? Who is our blood? Who is our people? And we submit to you that this is where this text is taking us. We've begun the book of the, uh, study of the book of John. Uh, we did an overview two weeks ago. Last week, the first five verses. This week, as Christina read, verses 6 to 13. The whole section, chapter, verses 1 to 18, is called the prologue. So it lays the foundation and sets the trajectory for the entire book. We are taking the prologue slow, five or six verses at a time. We'll speed up after we get out of the prologue and handle larger chunks of John. Don't worry, we won't be in John for 10 years. Our goal is 18 months or under. So there'll be some smaller chunks and some larger ones. Let's look at it. Chapter one, verse six to eight. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So in this beginning testimony of Jesus, he starts with this herald, the first witness to Christ, a man who will, as we learn, as we learn elsewhere, live out in the desert, wears camel's hair, eat locusts and wild honey, who's sent from God, 
Malachi predicted one who would come and prepare the way for Jesus, and this is the guy. He came as a witness, John says. His job was to point people to the coming Christ, that they might believe. The goal of the book is to get us to believe, and John's goal and purpose was to get people to believe. He makes it clear he is not the light. There's some confusion as to who the Messiah is and who this person is in the desert. Was this the light? Was this the promised Messiah? But John makes it very clear he is not the light or the Messiah. He was only to point people to the Messiah. We learn more about John in the coming weeks. So we'll leave it there. The true light. This is the light. John's not the light, the true light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. We saw this last week. We're going to see it again. This metaphor and imagery of Jesus as light. He shines. He illuminates. He makes clear. He shows the way. He leads out of death to life. He removes the cobwebs of uncertainty and speculation. Jesus is light, and he was coming into the world. John will tell us in verse 14 how he came into the world. We will hit that next week for our Christmas service. How appropriate. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This eternal word from chapter 1, verse 1. This one whom the world was made through, though the world did not know him. This eternal word becomes a man. He becomes physically present in the world that he created. Consider almost the irony. I don't know if irony is the right word, but consider the something like irony of that. Jesus sits down on the ground in the book of John and rests. And he's the very one through whom that ground that he is sitting on was made. He takes a drink of water to satisfy human thirst. Two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, I learned in my biology class at PCC, create the chemical properties of water. And that water satisfies human thirst. He's the very one through whom those chemical properties work taking a drink of that water which owes its existence to him. Or he's speaking to people in the book of John, talking to them, teaching them, answering their questions, dealing with their rejection. And it's almost as if these people are un unknowingly saying, I realize that I owe my whole existence to you. I realize the way that everything is held together in all of creation the fact that I can breathe, the fact that I can eat, the fact that I can drink, the fact that I can walk is dependent upon the one I am now speaking with. But no thanks. Of course, they don't know they're saying that, but it's almost as if they are saying that. Last week, I talked about yawning at the spectacular. In my subconscious, it was there. That's actually from Drew Dick. The book, Yawning at Tiger. Sorry, Drew, I didn't give you credit last week. I realized a couple days ago, that's from Drew. 
It's this idea of we can see the spectacular and the amazing and yawn. And this is what the people that we're going to learn about in the book of John do. They're standing before the very one to whom they owe their existence and they yawn. Verse 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. His own refers to his ethnic, racial, and religious heritage, which was all wrapped up in one. Jesus was a Jew. Now, of course, the message of Christ is for all people in all places, but it comes to us through the Hebrew people. Yet those people, not all of them, but clearly many of them, as recorded in John, reject him. But then verses 12 to 13 I love it the way commentator Colin Cruz says, what is said in these verses, 12 and 13, encapsulates the purpose of the whole gospel. He comes to his own people. His own people reject him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The NIV, another English translation, says children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This is the glorious biblical doctrine of adoption. To those who receive him, which is believing in him, which is turning from all that God calls sin. It's yielding to his gracious lordship. God adopts into his family. J.I. Packer calls adoption, quote, God makes his people his children. He says this, we do not fully feel the wonder of this passage from death to life, which takes place in the new birth till we see it as a transition not simply out of condemnation into acceptance, but out of bondage and destitution into the safety, certainty, and enjoyment of the family of God. Have you ever been to a schoolyard at lunchtime? Some of you have, some of you perhaps not. You show up and there's lots of kids running around. And they're great. All these kids, cute. And some of them are on the play structure. Some are out there hitting the tether ball. Some are kicking the soccer ball. And I appreciate all those kids. I used to do this at my own kids' school, Cesar Chavez Elementary. I'd come there and see this blacktop full of children. And I think, these kids are great. And I value their inherent value and dignity and worth. But you know what I'm doing at Cesar Chavez School? I'm not looking for every kid there. I'm scanning that blacktop for three faces. I'm looking for my kids. Because while I love and appreciate and value all those children, three of them belong to me. And when I see my children, 
on the tetherball or in the soccer field or on the play structure. It's as if every other face fades because that one is mine. This is now the reality, the experience of those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer just a part of the common family of humanity. Of course we are that, but we are more than that. We are now the set apart. We are now the children of God. We are now heirs of the promises made to Jesus. We are now recipients of extravagant grace and extravagant kindness. We are those in the schoolyard when God looks upon the common humanity who says, those belong to me. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And this adoption is not according to how the world defines family. The world defines it by blood, ethnic and racial distinction, or the desires and wishes of parents, which are good desires and good wishes, but those don't define the people of God. You can add to the list politics or education or geography or family history, etc., etc. No, this family isn't identified by those parameters this family is identified by those who are born of god who believe in the light of the world that transcends all and every category so to the global multi-ethnic multilingual church of Jesus Christ scattered throughout history and up to the present day. Whose people are you? Who is your daddy? And John says, you are a child of God the Father through God the Son. And your people are his people the church, everyone, everywhere who has believed on him, period. And since, brothers and sisters, that is true, we are secure. Jesus said no one can snatch us out of his hand, John 10.10. We are forgiven. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So says John in 1 John 1, 9. We are free. John 8, 35. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are cared for. Jesus instructed us, take a look at the birds and look how well I take care of them. Are you not of much more value than them? And you are family. For whoever does the will of God, says Jesus in Mark chapter 3, 35, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Don't be bamboozled. 
into placing ultimate value and ultimate reality into a group or identity or family that has its perimeters drawn by worldly categories. You and I have been adopted into the family of God. And therefore, we are children of the one true God. Lord God, we submit this to you. May its truth come alive in our hearts. Give us wisdom to know how to live out all of its glorious implications. Amen.